reading for today is 1 Samuel 8, 1 through 9. When Samuel, pa- when, Samuel came, when Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint us for a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Well, who votes for having the kids do this every Sunday? Well, welcome. My name is Tyler Thompson. I am Charlotte, Savannah, and Dallas's dad. I'm also the pastor of worship and communities here at Redemption Arcadia, and very thankful to be able to share with you uh, in our message today. Before we get to the message, a couple of just really quick announcements. One is that if you would like a a package for your kids uh, for during the service, uh, that's in the lobby. If you missed that on your way in, feel free to grab one of those at this point. Uh, Second, want to let you know that uh, Arcadia Worship came out with uh, our fourth single this week. Yeah, yeah. It's called Only Jesus, and it uh, is streaming on all platforms, so we hope that you'll check that out as well. Uh, kids, we are really glad that you're here with us today. Uh, you are a lot more fun than your parents, <laughs> and it's, it's, true, it's true in our house, and actually, like, it's, it's uh, scientifically proven that adults are more fun when kids are around, and so it's, it's science, science, it's a fact. So we're so glad that you're here with us. Thank you for worshiping as one body today. Uh, We are starting a series uh, today that will be 22 weeks long, and this series is called We Want a King, and it uh, traces the lives uh, of uh, Saul, David, and Solomon, and it'll be a fantastic overview of this period of time uh, with the kingdoms. Uh, Now, if you're not already uh, coming, we'd love to invite you to our Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, Wednesdays at Arcadia, we're doing what's called a Kingdom's Companion Study. Uh, every Wednesday night, 6.30 p.m. in this room. And there's uh, food provided, child care provided, and so we'd love for you to come out to that if you haven't already been coming. It's been a good few weeks already uh, in that study. And this last Wednesday, we were looking at uh, the connection between God's wisdom and God's justice and how those work hand in hand Uh, in reigning over the world. But today we are in 1 Samuel 8. And uh, what I'd like to do, actually, this was something that uh, used to be done a lot in churches, but but not so much anymore, is uh, we want to invite the kids to come up, and we'll just do a little mini sermonette for the kids. So kids, come on forward.
Not everybody at once. Not everybody at once. Sit right here, actually. Sit right there. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So I'll be reading from the Brick Bible Translation. It's a Lego version of uh, the Bible. <laughs> and uh, it's pretty awesome. Nice, nice pictures to, to provide a storyline. If, uh, if you're thinking about getting this for your kids, keep in mind, it covers the events of the Bible. And in the Old Testament, that can get dicey because there's some pretty brutal stuff in the Old Testament. So this is like it, PG, PG. We'll keep a G for this morning. We'll keep a G for this morning. All right, you guys are awesome. Check you out. Very good. All right, so I'm going to be reading to you from the Brick Bible. And uh, here, we're looking at the very beginning of the creation of the world. Some of you, how many of you know this story already? Yeah, good. Love it. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to read a little bit about the creation of the world and what God did when he created the world. So... God, Yahweh, planted a garden in Eden with the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yahweh, God, took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to look after and maintain it. Yahweh, God, commanded the man, from every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you may not eat. For that day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Then Yahweh God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, his counterpart. Now, the snake was all the crafty of all the animals of the field that Yahweh had made. And the snake was the most clever. He said to the woman, what did God really say? You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the snake, we may eat from the tree of the garden, but of the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, do not eat from it. And do not even touch it, or else you will die. And the snake said to the woman, Surely you will not die, for God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like gods, knowing good and evil. Now I have a question for you. How many of you have ever wanted something, wanted to eat something that you knew wasn't going to be good for you? Yeah? Yeah? What was it? What was it? Ice cream, like lots of ice cream? Yeah. And, and did somebody warn you that maybe that wasn't such a good idea to eat like lots of ice cream? Yeah. And what happened? Did you do it anyway? Yeah. And what happened? Hey, I eat good you, got, you got brain freeze? You eat good food? You ate a hot dog. Yeah. Very good. Lots of green juice. We got healthy kids in this, in this place. Is there such thing as too much green juice? I don't know. <laughs> what? It, yes. They don't have any juice. Yeah, you always want to buy a lot of ice cream, but your mom says no. Right. Well, it turns out that sometimes we want something so bad that even though we have a warning against it, we still want to do it anyway. And what happens? Sometimes we have bad consequences as a result. Brain freeze, a tummy ache. And today in our passage today, we look at what happens when we want something so bad that we're willing to do anything to get it. Thank you for your help today. I have a gift for each one of you. Emmy, will you help pass those out? Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate that you're here. Fantastic. Those kids are awesome. 
Now, I promise you, we didn't script that or practice ahead of time. They were unpaid actors. They just, they just did what they needed to do. Hey, so this series, I'm super excited about this series. And as we've, as we've been looking back through the Old Testament, mentioned this on Wednesday night, the content in these books of the Bible, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, if you say that too fast, you got to be careful. Uh, it's pretty brutal. There's a lot of just really difficult stuff in these, in these books of the Bible. Uh, but we want to we take a look at how all three of these men, Saul, Solomon, and, uh, Saul, David, and Solomon, reveal our need for God, the true king. And so take a listen to this, uh, this statement that our preaching team came up with at Redemption Church. It says this, We want a king. The people cry in 1 Samuel 8 that we may be like the nations. Yet when we reject God as king, it leads to disaster. This series centers on the rise and fall of Israel's first three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon, exploring themes of power and brokenness, national division and personal failure, and cultivating a heart after God. Ultimately, all three kings reveal our desperate need for Jesus as king. I love this statement that we oftentimes think of Saul being somebody who shows us the, the need for, for God to be our true king. Sometimes we may even think about Solomon about that. Certainly we think that way about David, but all three of these kings reveal that we need to have a heart that is after God, our true king. And so we'll start taking a look at this in 1 Samuel 8 today, which takes place a little bit into the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, Samuel has been called as a, a prophet of, of God, a, a judge of God. Uh, there's a great story in 1 Samuel 3 about Samuel hearing the voice of God and thinking that it was just his, his, his uh, parent. Uh, but but rather, rather, this is God talking to Samuel and then God talking to his people through Samuel because God tends to use people uh, to be able to be utilized for his purposes. But in 1 Samuel 8, we find that Samuel has become old. And so I'm going to utilize the Lego. We, we got to keep bringing the kids back in by utilizing the Legos uh, today. When, when Samuel became old... He made his sons judge over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah, and they were judges in Beersheba. Uh, this is coming out of the period of judges and coming into the period of the kings. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain, and they took bribes and perverted justice. Now, it's really important that this passage starts with that first statement that this happened when Samuel became old and that he made his sons to become judges. The reason that's really important is because it notes that this is generational, that there's a generational thing that is happening here in this passage, where there's a transfer of power from Samuel to his sons. And think about some of the other places in Scripture where this has happened. Uh, my mind went to the fact that uh, there was a, a generation that knew not Joseph and all of his ways. That in Egypt, there were people that did not remember the God of Joseph. Uh, think about the ways that these, these three kings that we're about to study in this series, uh, David, uh, Saul, David, and Solomon, represent three generations of people of God. 
Now, many, some of you may have three generations present here today that God is going to work through the generations as things are passed from one to another. So one of the first things that jumps out to me in this passage is that Samuel intends to be able to pass his relationship with God on to his next generation, but this isn't going so well because his sons have turned aside from the ways of Samuel, which are the ways of God. We want to be able to look at, and especially those of you who have multiple generations in your life or in this room, we want to be able to look at how we can pass on this relationship with God to that next generation. Now, each generation has to be able to have that relationship for themselves, but there are things that we can do that can help to train up that next generation in the way of righteousness, and they will not part from it. So generationally, we want to pass these things on. There are some things that are, we, we receive from our uh, forefathers or foremothers. There are some things that we re receive from them that are positive things that we want to emulate. And then there are other things that we want to correct. I know generationally, my family has had a lot of different conversations about things that we want to continue, things that we want to turn away from. Uh, my, my grandpa, um, there was alcoholism in, with my grandpa, and that's something that I, we want to be aware of uh, in our family and be able to help correct as we walk with the Lord. So we need to be aware generationally of some of the things that are being passed on from us. And scripturally, that's a theme that we see throughout the Old Testament, that the sins of the father are carried on to the next generation and the generation after that. But it can also work the other way, that we can also instill in the next generation these ways of God in a way that they will be able to walk in throughout their life. So the sons are not following the, 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 the uh, ways of the Lord and the ways of Samuel. And actually, the people come to Samuel, and we got to get the Legos back up here, and they say, you are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. So appoint us a king to lead us, like all the other nations have. Kids, say to your parents, you are old. <laughs> good job, you did good. Parents, say to your kids, obey the voice of the Lord. <laughs> It goes both ways. Now, something that's, something that's super interesting about this in verse 4 is that though the sons, though those kids are messing it up, it's not the kids' generation that comes to Samuel and says, give us a king. Who is it? It's the elders of the people of Israel that come and say, hey, our kids have gotten out of control. Give us a king because we need to get them back into control. Anybody see the, the, the problem with that logic? We cannot demand that might will take care of some of these things that we run into. It's not just that we want to try even harder to whip them into shape. So the elders come to Samuel and say, hey, these kids are out of control. Just give us a king because he'll take care of everything. Now, there's a few problems with that that we're going to look at today uh, in just a few minutes. But the elders of Israel, verse 4, come gathered together and they come to Samuel at Ramah. And they say to him, behold, you are old. They just had to toss that in one more time. We get the picture that Samuel is old. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now, do you think they really cared that the sons were not walking in the way of God? Or do you think they just wanted to use that as a way to get their political agenda across? I think it's likely the second. I don't think the elders, at least we don't get the picture here, that the elders came just heartbroken 
that the people were going um, off the path of the Lord. I think that instead they saw this as an opportunity to get something that they wanted. And so they came to Samuel and asked for that. And so they say in verse 5, Now appoint us a king to judge us like all the other nations. But the, king, the, the thing that pleased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. Now, there's a couple things to point out here. First is that we get into trouble any time that we want to have what all the other nations have. We get into trouble any time that we think we want to have what all the other neighbors have. We get into trouble any time that we think, I want to have the toy that all the other kids have. And it's just in our nature, even in our own household, with the angels that I have as kids, if one person is playing with a toy, the other two have to have that toy. And then as soon as they have it, they don't want to play with it anymore because they've got it. We naturally want to have what everybody else has. And so we play this comparison game uh, as individuals. We do that in families. We do that honestly as nations. There's a warning here for us that our hearts can tend to want to want the things that we don't belong to us. And we want them so drastically that we'll do anything that we can to get them. So the people come to Samuel and they say, give us a king to judge like all the other nations. Now there's another thing happening here that is that this king they, is a replacement for the true king, Yahweh. So not only are we looking around at what everybody else wants and what we want, what everybody else has, but we're saying the king that we already have is not good enough for us. And a third thing to be aware of here is that we're saying that really we want to rule ourselves through a king so that we don't have to follow Yahweh anymore. It's complex, it's twisted, but we've been doing it since the Garden of Eden, as we saw with the kids a few moments ago. Man, the pressure to do what, everything, what everybody else is doing is absolutely beyond what any of us have experienced before in this life. We used to call it peer pressure. How many of you older folks remember what peer pressure is? Yeah, we used to call it peer pressure. Don't be peer pressured into doing what everybody else is doing. Now we just call it the internet. Whatever we see on our feeds is what we want to do. And we no longer have called it peer pressure. It's just sort of like what we want to do. We want to imitate everything that we see. And so we want a king that will come to judge us. Actually, not us. We want a king to come and judge all of you. And we want grace for us, as Pastor Frank oftentimes likes to say. Uh, Frank put it this way. I, I spoke with him about this a couple weeks ago. He said, people are forming political groups to say we are going to appoint someone who is going to think like us and do what we want to do. We actually want to rule through this appointed king. We think our salvation is going to be in a prince or a chariot, in a Biden or a Trump, in a political party, in something that we can rule through this appointed person. There's nothing new under the sun, as you've heard Pastor Frank say several times. Yet sometimes we want to do, we want something so bad that we're willing to do anything to get it. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. Great note here that if you ever come up to a situation that you don't quite know what to do, praying is a good thing. And so Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said, verse 7 to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, 
For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. This is a really important note uh, for those of you who are in some kind of ministry and you sometimes feel like you are being rejected. Why, why, is, why are the people not responding to what God is clearly saying through us? The Lord notes to Samuel here that they are not rejecting Samuel, but they're rejecting Yahweh. And it's a good note for those of you that are involved in Christian ministry that those times that it feels like you are being rejected, it's actually a rejection of God. When you're, proje- when you're presenting the gospel, you're going to have some amount of rejection in your life. It's just a fact. In fact, Jesus will say something very similar to this in Matthew 5.11. He will say, blessed are you when people say things to you because of me. He's going to say, blessed are you when people persecute you for my name's sake. Not only is Jesus saying, uh, tolerate it when somebody persecutes you or says something against you because of the name of God, but Jesus is going to say, you're blessed as a result of that. Now, we got to make sure that we're actually saying something that God says, because sometimes we're saying things that we want. But take heart, if you're in Christian ministry, and that's all of you, because we are all ministers of some sort to this world, take heart in knowing that people are going to say things against you because they've rejected God as king, and that we are blessed when that happens. Verse 8, according to all the deeds that they have done, from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. In other words, God's saying, welcome to the party. If you've seen how they've treated me all these years, should it be a surprise to you that they're treating you this way? And there's a long history of rebellion that Yahweh has put up with in our lives. Praise God that he puts up with our long history of rebellion. Amen? Verse 9, now then, obey their voice only, is God saying to Samuel, obey what they ask you to do only, You shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Yahweh says to Samuel, you can go ahead and obey what they say to you, but make sure you give them a warning first. In our house, we do this uh, anytime we're going to change what we're doing. Anytime that we're directing our kids, we give something like a five-minute warning. Hey, kids, five-minute warning, we're about to go to bed. Five-minute warning, you're going to have to stop watching that movie. Five-minute warning, there's going to be a change of your behavior soon. There's something similar happening here where Yahweh is saying to Samuel, you can allow for them to go this direction, but why don't you make sure to give them a warning first so they have an opportunity to obey. An opportunity to obey. It turns out that sometimes even that warning isn't helpful. So they give him a warning. Now, let's get the kids back in here with the Legos. The king who will reign over you, this is the warning. The king who will reign over you will take your sons and put them in his chariot forces and in his cavalry. Cavalry. He will take your daughters to be perfume makers, cooks, and bakers. So here's the warning that Samuel gives. In verse 10, it says this. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, 
These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and so some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. In other words, Samuel is saying, if you take this king over Yahweh, you are going to lose your generations to this king. There's a warning here that the generations that are to come will be in slavery to this new king. He will take your sons, he will take your daughters. And it reminds me, uh, when we talk about all of the chariots and the commanders and the, uh, th those who will come and will um, make impl implements of war, there's an, there's an implicit instruction in this warning noting that the king will attempt to seize more power for himself. And he will use you to get that. In other words, the king will trust in horses and chariots while we used to trust in the name of the Lord. That passage from Psalm 20 and Isaiah 30 that we will trust, uh, some, some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. That will be lost with this new king. He goes on with the warnings in verse 13. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. Uh, I, that seems pretty sexist to me, that the daughters have to be bakers. Uh, 14, he will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. So he's going to not only take your kids, he's going to take your stuff. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. That word tenth there is super interesting because it's the word what? Tithe. That the tithe that should belong to Yahweh is going to go to this king. That's a significant warning as well. Verse 18, and in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. In other words, there are times when God is going to give us what we want, even though we know that it's not good for us, even though he knows it's not good for us. And it's so that we might feel what it's like in the absence of the true king. In order that we might be turned back to the true king. There are times that God will give us what we want, though it's bad for us, so that we will learn. Now, you have to be careful about this as a parent. And there are times in our, in our, uh, in our house where we'll give a warning to our kids and then we'll let them see what it is to go against the warning. But you have to use wisdom for that because there's times that that can be pretty damaging for the kid. So you can't just do that all the time. But there are times where God allows us to go our own way out of his grace and his mercy for us. And oftentimes that will lead us back to the king. You also notice that the warning is this. The king is going to take. 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 If you choose this for yourselves, this king will only take from you. All right, let's keep the kids locked in here. Lego. The people say, no, we will have a king to lead us. We will be like all the other nations. In other words, there are some times that, the people ref that we as people refuse to heed our warning and we go after it earlier. Uh, anyway, in the, uh, with the kids, we heard that that happens sometimes with ice cream. 
Um, again, props to the green juice people out there. But that happens with ice cream. Um, we had a <laughs> I had an experience this week. There's a brand new, brand new, my favorite restaurant has opened in Arcadia. It is called Torchies. It is called Torchies Tacos. It is my favorite restaurant in the history of restaurants. It has opened in Arcadia. It's right over on 18th and Camelback. It's a, now they, I'm not paid by them to, to give you this information. But if you ever want to go to lunch there with me, let me know. I'll be there. Uh, we, opening day was on Wednesday, and we wanted to go have lunch as a staff. Uh, and... Uh, I knew we were going to have to get there a little bit early, and so I went and I showed up, and there was a line all the way down the block, but I wanted torches so bad. I was willing to wait in the line for an hour to have lunch on Wednesday. And man, was it worth it. That's a bad, that's a bad example because it was worth it. But I may, have eaten, I may have eaten a little bit more than I should have. Like a little bit more. Afterwards, I had a little bit of a stomachache, like just a little bit. That queso is so good. <laughs> I bring that up for this reason. There are times that our stomach, our appetite, rules us against any other thing. And now, if you've ever been a person who has wrestled with addiction, you know this. That there are times when that thing that you are addicted to has such power over you that you'll do anything you can to get it. And there are other times that we are allowed by God to partake in that so that it might lead us back to him ultimately. Um, I, I've mentioned to many of you uh, over the past uh, couple of years that I went through a real prodigal son experience in my life in my early 20s. Where I walked away from the Lord and and uh, earlier in my life, I really felt like I was the older, the older son in the prodigal son story. And then I had this prodigal son where I was the younger son in the story experience. Sometimes God will allow for us to get to the end of ourselves so that we can remember that it is better in my father's house. Amen? Now, I hope and the wish of every parent is that our kids won't have to do that. And so we say things like, Kids, don't make the same mistakes I did. Kids, I'm telling you, this is no good for you. I've been there. We sometimes hope that our kids won't have to experience it, and we pray that God will teach them another way. And oftentimes he does, but there are sometimes he lets us get to the end of ourselves so that we might come back around to him. Verse 19, so the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, no, but there shall be a king over us. That, now listen, they're going to give they're going to give four reasons they want a king. This is really insightful that this is included because the people here are actually giving the four reasons that they want the king. That we may be like the other nations. That the king may judge us, or rather judge you. That there is someone that will go out before us and be like a shield or protection for us. And four, that there's someone who will fight our battles for us. Now, do you understand what a huge slap in the face this is to Yahweh? It wasn't that long ago, not that many generations previously, in the book of Deuteronomy that it says that, that, that God said, the Lord will go out before you and fight your battles for you. So this is something that Yahweh's already doing. 
And it's a huge slap in the face to Yahweh when the people say, no, 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 we want somebody who's going to go out and fight our battles for us. God's already doing that. And the same goes for us as Christians, that we have a God who goes out before us. We, 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 we say this sometimes in our creeds or in, in our prayers, uh, in our liturgies. Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ beside us, Christ above us. That we get this picture of Christ all around us as believers. And that Christ is in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet our hearts desire somebody else to fight our battles for us. That we still think there's somebody out there that's going to do the job that Yahweh is already doing. For us, it might be something like success. Getting that position that we hoped that we would have. It might be something like money or what's in our 401k. It might be something like fame or popularity or likes on Facebook. It might be something like that new house or that new car. It might be something that we want a son's championship so bad that, that we're willing to trade for Kevin Durant to make it happen. <laughs> we have these things in our lives that we want no matter what. And that sometimes God will hand us over to it. Look what it says in verse 21. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. Now this is fascinating to me, that phraseology that Samuel repeated them to the ears of the Lord. That is a phrase that marks intimacy between Samuel and God. That he repeated them in, into that he repeated them in the ears of the Lord, that he was close enough to Yahweh to be able to have that kind of a conversation. You ever had somebody come up and whisper something in your ear? It marks intimacy that somebody would do that with you, that you would allow somebody that close to you to be able to whisper into your ear. It marks intimacy on the part of both people that you would be that close to one another. Samuel had that kind of intimacy with God to where he whispered, it doesn't say whisper, but he repeated into the ears of the Lord what the people had said. Now, do you think Yahweh didn't hear what the people had said? He already knows. He already knows what the people had said. So why does Samuel repeat this into the ears of the Lord? It's because it's, it's marking that they had an intimate relationship, and it's marking that God was using Samuel to be able to communicate with the people and vice versa. What an amazing thing, uh, privilege that Samuel had. And may we also be people who would be able to whisper words into the ears of the Lord. In verse, uh, so Samuel uh, repeats, them, repeats these words and reports back. Just to keep the kids wrapped in, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get one more, one more Lego slide in here. The, so Samuel goes back, and he says this. I was all like, he'll make you all his slaves. And they were all like, whatever, just give us a king already. <laughs> Got it, kids? It all makes sense. There are times in our lives that we want something so much that we're willing to do anything we can to get that. And so I ask this question of us today. I ask it of the adults. I ask it of the kids. What things do we want so much that we are willing to disobey the voice of God, ignore his warnings to us, and re-enter slavery to obtain? Now, if we were going to be, try to be super convicting, we'd say, 
have a moment of silence to think about that. But we know the Holy Spirit will, will do the, the job that the Holy Spirit does, which is to convict of sin and to indwell the believer so that we might have the power to live this life that God has for us. Regenerate us that we might be called his children. But there are things in our lives that we, and I guarantee you that if you pause for a second to think about this, something will come to your mind. What is that thing that we want that we are willing to disobey the voice of God, ignore his warnings to us, and re-enter slavery to, to obtain? What we think the solution to these things is, getting what we want. And you, many of you will remember this, uh, the movie um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. There was this character named Veruca Salt. Don't care how I want it now. Right? Anybody? Anybody see it? Thank you. Veruca Salt did not care what the consequences were. She just knew she wanted the, the, gold, the golden uh, egg laying goose. Gooses, geeses. She wanted that no matter what happened. And uh, there were consequences. In fact, that whole movie is, is actually about this, this idea. That no matter what, we want these things. I got to have it. And as Willy Wonka said, she was a bad egg. <laughs> Sometimes we discover when we, will, we want something, no matter what happens, we discover that, we have, we, that we're a bad egg. That we need a heart that is going to be replaced by God. So as we start to close, I want to give you this. Seven things to teach your next generation. Seven things to teach your next generation. And by the way, in order to teach something well, you have to know it yourself and you have to practice it yourself. Right? Seven things. One, we run into trouble when we want something that others have that isn't ours. Two, we run into trouble when we say when we want that, some, that something no matter what. Three, we will run into trouble when we will do anything to get that thing that we want. So there's a, you see how there's a progression here? I want this thing that you have. I want it no matter what. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get it. That's a progression. That's a spiral. Number four, we want something, when, we, when we want something no matter what, and we will do anything to get what we want, that thing that we want becomes our king. We've replaced Yahweh on the throne, and we've made this other thing our king. Ice cream, Torchy's tacos, Kevin Durant. <laughs> Number five, God the true king loves us enough to warn us against getting the bad things we want. Further, Sometimes not getting what we want is a gift from God. Isn't that right? Sometimes not getting what we want is a gift from God. That's something that I need to repeat to myself over and over again. God, why are you holding out on us? Sometimes not getting the thing we want is God's grace in our lives. Number six, God the true king will sometimes let us have the bad things we want, even knowing the harm and destruction that it can cause. This can lead us back around to God, our true king. And number seven, though all our false kings fail us, God, the true king, remains our only true solution and pathway to what we actually need. Amen. So let me, in, in closing, 
I want to wrap up with this last verse in 1 Samuel 8. It's, it's verse 22. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, Go every man to his city. Now, this is an amazing conclusion to this chapter for one very clear reason. Yahweh, the king of all the universe, Melech HaOlam, Yahweh, gave up his place as king to the people of Israel so that he would be able to foreshadow what would come in Christ. Bear with me for a second. Christ, the king of the universe, who was responsible for the creation of the world. All things are made through him, by him, for him. Christ comes to earth as a human being, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He came to serve, not to rule. Gives up his position in heaven to go to the cross, die for the sin of the world, rise again the third day, ascend to heaven and sit on the throne where he will reign for all eternity. And here at the end of 1 Samuel 8, we have a picture of this Yahweh king who is willing to give up his place because he knows how to love us the way that we need to be loved. Praise him for that. We're going to go into a time of communion in response of that, that, that king who gave up his place. And so we'll have people serving at both sides of the room. We'll come down the center aisle, row at a time, to take your communion and return on the outsides of the room. We have bread and wine. We have bread and juice. I think there's gluten-free. We have lots of options. Don't want to make anybody stumble. Each of these elements is used for spiritual reasons by God. That the Spirit of God takes these ordinary elements, the bread and the cup, and he uses it for extraordinary purposes in our lives. That we reflect on the fact that God has by given, by, take, by re removing himself from the place that he is in, humbling himself and going to death on the cross, God gives his very self to us so that we might receive forgiveness of sins. So he gives his body represented by the bread. He gives his blood represented by the cup that we might take and remember that he has renewed us and restored us by the power of his spirit. Let's pray and then we'll take. God, we do praise you that you are a God who is almighty, omnipotent king. And yet you gave up your place in order to come after us, those who needed saving. So God, we confess to you that we have done things that are wrong. We confess to you, Lord, that we have sinned against you. And God, we pray that you would allow for each of us in this room to believe on you, that you went to the cross, that you died again, that you rose again, that you died, that you rose again, and that, Lord, that you reign forever, and that one day you will come again to restore and to redeem. And so, God, we pray that you would bless these communion elements. We pray, Lord, that you would bless those who take. 
and pray that you'd be glorified in our response today. And we pray it in Jesus' name.
There's a moment when the lights went out When death declared victory The king of love gave you love desire The darkest day in history There on a cross they made for sinners Final breath and it was finished, and not the end we could For the earth began to shake, and the lamb was torn. The sacrifice was made as the heavens rolled. Is our response to
Sunday of the month, we take time to welcome any new people. We call it Intro Sunday. We want to introduce you to who we are as a family, help you get to know this campus, this building a little better. Uh, so if you'd like to join me for that, join me at the Connect Desk, and I'd love to meet you and, and answer any questions you might have. Now as we go, let me read this as a sending prayer, a benediction over us from number six, that the Lord this week would bless you and keep you that the Lord would make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. That the Lord would lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, amen. Go and live life all for Jesus. Thanks for being here.